Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I am Brandon Kylie. Coming up at about 10 minutes, we'll talk some more likely to happen. We'll get your scenarios here in just a little bit. But right now, we're going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by our friend, baseball writer over at The Athletic, the co host of the Starkville podcast and an analyst over on MLB Network. He's Jason Stark joining us here on the show. Alex, I don't think there's been anybody in the national or local media baseball-wise that has talked more about these rule changes that we're now going to be seeing implemented in Major League Baseball than Jason Stark, and he's been doing it for years. His coverage has been excellent over at The Athletic. Jason, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. How you doing, my friend? Brandon, I'm good. How about you? Uh, doing very well. Excited to see what these rule changes look like in, in Major yeah. League Baseball this season. And I'm curious, as, as you look at the rules that are now on the books, what do you think is going to be the rule that impacts winning the most? Like, what's the one that's going to impact the teams the most this year in your mind? Well, that's a really fun question. Um, I bet people would expect me to say winning. I, I'm sorry, the shift. But I, I don't think that's it. Uh, I I think it's going to be the change in the running game rules. As I've as as I've talked to teams over the last few weeks, that's what they are buzzing about the most. The idea that there's now basically a limit of two pickoff throws for every time a guy gets on base, plus the bigger bases, which shortens the distance first to second and second to third. It's a huge change, huge and. Um, it, it's going to have a big impact, I think, on the mindset of teams, uh, how they deploy the running game, and maybe m- most importantly, how they strategize to control the running game on the other side. Um, look, the rate of stolen base attempts, once these rules were put in place in the minor leagues, is something we haven't seen in the big leagues in a hundred years. And so I, I don't think we'll see that rate of base stealing, but we're going to see a um, um, a massive jump in stolen base attempts, probably back to the, you know, the running Redbirds, Whitey Herzog era. And I think that's an area where the Cardinals are definitely going to miss Yachty. That's interesting. Uh, Jason, as a follow-up to that, do you think that that then gives more value to, I mean, just locally a player that sticks out to mind uh, to me is, Tommy Edmond, like do do players like that become more valuable if that is the way that this game goes? Oh, there's no doubt. Um, you know, if if you have sprint speed going for you, and you know you don't mind taking the pounding that stealing bases inflicts on the legs, um, you, you know we're not going to see 
33 bases lead the league in steals anymore. That's not going to happen. Um, I mean, I think the over-under is 50, maybe 60. And it's, you know, stolen bases is not going to depend as much, nearly as much, on the ability to read pitchers, read moves, you know, timing. It's it's really going to be about just using sprint speed and using smarts to pick the right situations. So, Jason, you mentioned when you talked about the uh, stolen base attempts that the Cardinals are really going to miss uh, Yadier Molina. We just talked about that a little bit ago in terms of Wilson Contreras and the defensively how that's going to be a step back to, to what Yadier Molina was. But overall, as the catcher, do you feel like that was the best decision for the Cardinals? Well, of all the all the free agent options, uh, I think he was clearly the best catcher. I mean, personally, um, I would rather have Sean Murphy than him, but that's you know that that gets expensive to make a deal for a guy like that. Um, you know, we've had a chance to watch Wilson Contreras a lot, right? He's a he's a good player, or he's, he's a really good offensive player, particularly at that position. I, I just think it's such a monstrous change in what that position has been in your town for your team. I and just watching the Cardinals for the last two decades, Yachty's presence hung over every game. He he was more than the catcher. He was like the defensive coordinator. He he was that, that rare guy who had an impact on every pitch and an impact before anyone ever threw a pitch, and not just on the, the pitchers. Uh, it's just hard to imagine that Wilson Contreras is going to bring that. Um, you'll, you'll get plenty of offense from him, and in that sense, he's a good fit. But how he connects with a pitching staff that's so used to a very different approach, to me, is one of the big spring plot lines. Jason, as a follow-up, do you feel like the offense he will provide this season outweighs the the shortcomings on defense? <laughs> well, it has to, doesn't it? Um, you know, I, I you know, I've, I can see what the metrics show us about Wilson Contreras, just like everybody else can, and. You know, he he had a big jump last year in hard hit rate and exit velocity, and um, the Cardinals do a really good job of maximizing the production of of guys with that skill set and guys who who show you th- that kind of uh, upside in the uh, in the metrics. Um, just the question is the adjustment of everybody to not having that thing that Yachty brought. Is it's just a major transition? It it it's really hard to think of any player who is leaving that kind of void on any team by retiring. I mean, there's been somewhat in free agency, but in terms of a guy who just has always been there, feels like he's been there forever, and now isn't. It it's just hard to wrap your mind around it. To that point, Jason, the Cardinals have allowed 886 stolen bases since 2005. So basically the Yadier Molina era, the next closest in Major League Baseball is the Diamondbacks who have allowed 1,300 stolen bases. So it's like the the gulf is, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's a Grand Canyon-sized gap between the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks who were second. Yeah, it says it all. Um, 
I mean, to, to think of, uh, of a 400 or 500 stolen base gap, that is just crazy. And again, the other reason that you'll be so conscious of it this year is just because there's going to be so many more stolen bases. And, you know, you're probably your best hope if you're the average team, is to have a catcher with a great arm and great pop time who can compensate for the fact that runners are just going to get so many more great jumps. I know that there's going to be some stuff that teams are going to try um, to, to, to slow things down, but the impact of the catcher on at least limiting stolen bases this year is going to be greater than we have seen in a really long time, maybe ever. And, you know, Wilson Contreras is just not going to be that. Jason Stark is our guest, one of the best in the business, baseball writer over at The Athletic. You can also see him on MLB Network. So, Jason, my first question was, what's the rule change that's going to have the biggest impact on winning? Now let's kind of amend that a bit. The rule change that you think will change the viewing experience for a fan the most, maybe in a better or worse way, whatever direction you want to take this, what do you think that will be in 2023? Yeah, Again, it's, I don't think it's going to be the shift. I, I think you'll have an extra hit or two a game because of the shift, and that'll mount up. That could be 3,000, 4,000 more hits over the course of the season across the league. But it's absolutely going to be the clock. I you know, I think I agree with the projections that Major League Baseball has done that think they're going to be able to cut 20 minutes off average game time, average nine inning game time. And hallelujah, the thing about Jason, it is, hallelujah. Yeah, right. And it, but it's you know, it's not just about well, you used to get used to go home at. 20 after 10 and now you get to go home at 10 <laughs> that's all dead time it's a much better viewing experience the game has so much better rhythm it's it's so much more than time it's the rhythm um and so that part of it i think is really fun if you've ever watched any of the games in the minor leagues with the clock it's really cool how the game just moves i don't you know i don't know how guys are going to hit with their loose batting gloves now they don't have a half an hour to adjust it between pitches but that, that, that that's going to have to change the other part is and this is really going to be true in spring training the clock is going to create some stuff that we have literally never seen in a big league baseball game uh the you know those potential angel hernandez moments where he decides nolan arenado hasn't gotten in the box and locked in on the opposing pitcher in time and you know calls a strike or call strike three or whatever is going to happen these clock violations there's going to be some madness just because of that so i can't wait hey just speaking from somebody jason who's got two little kids those 20 minutes mean something to go to bed at 10 o'clock rather than 10 20 right everybody can use those 20 minutes amen to that. 20 more minutes you get to bed earlier which is always a good thing uh, jason the one thing that i know cardinals fans are going to be talking a lot about this season much like what last year was for the uh, final tour of albert pujols and yadier molina is the final tour of adam wainwright in major league baseball what do you you feel like the legacy for Wayno is going to be as a Cardinal? Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, Doug Glanville and I just talked to him this week uh, for our Starkville podcast, and it was so much fun, as always. And that's one of the things we didn't get into. He probably would be happier to discuss his legacy as a hitter than yeah, <laughs> as a pitcher. True. But I, I, he's got to go down as the greatest Cardinals pitcher not named Gibson. 
Doesn't he? Is that even an argument? Uh, it's, it's interesting because, like, Chris Carpenter, I think some would put into that Dizzy category Dean. because of the, especially because of the dominance that he had. But, I mean, the, the extended run for Wayno, I think, is what will eventually put him above Carpenter locally, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And the yeah, length I, of I agree. it, too. Yeah, in terms of career value, I don't, I don't think there's uh, there's an argument here. Um, and the thing about Adam Wainwright is, I, I I feel like he's still underappreciated outside of St. Louis. I, I think all the time about how easily he could have won two Cy Youngs, uh, possibly three. If that happens, he's a lock Hall of Famer. Plus, he threw the final pitch of a World Series. Uh, uh, special teammate a leader, a uh, guy who makes it fun, who helps you get through the grind of the season. He, he's just one of those he, – he's that rare pitcher who has made an impact on his team every way you could make it. Uh, believe me, it's rare for pitchers to be as involved in the the workings of the entire roster, the entire franchise, as he is. And the other thing is, and I told him this when we talked to him on the podcast, I, I feel like he had as much fun playing as any player or pitcher that I've ever been around and, and on as, as any Cardinal that you guys could think of, don't you think? Oh, yeah, and I, I think he's showing it more now, too, Jason. I think early on in his career, maybe you didn't see it quite as much. He's, he's that fierce competitor, and you always see that, but... I think especially last season, I don't know if I don't know if you remember it, Jason, but when he was mic'd up prior to the game on ESPN Sunday Night oh, Baseball yeah. and that the pregame routine, the way that he was able to bring people in, we talked with him about that at winter warm-up. He said that was when he knew I've still got something more to give to this game because of the number of people that reached out to him afterwards and said, man, that is something like coaches, kids, whatever. They reached out and said, that's something that we've never seen before. And he said, I, I can do more stuff like that. And I think that's the kind of thing that makes him truly unique is that he has the ability to portray that in a way that's fun and engaging. And I, you just don't see that around the game very often. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he interacts with fans regularly and you know, he's certainly made an impact on on a community uh he 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 really does let people in in a way that most players don't and you know it's funny that you bring that up because one of the things i asked him was hey you just got to watch albert and yachty <laughs> go through their last year um what you learn from watching them about how you ought to handle your last year and he said the thing that really hit him about albert was the joy, how much joy he played with from beginning to end, how much he appreciated uh, that season in St. Louis, um, the way that, you know, the way he interacted with that team, the way the fans showered him with love, all the stuff he got to do, then the the big finish offensively. Um, joy is a word that players don't talk about enough. Adam Wainwright's so um, so sharp in the way he perceives the importance of joy every day of being a baseball player. And if he's going to share that joy, not just with his teammates and his family, but with all of us, sign me up. <laughs> it's, it, it's what baseball's supposed to be about, right? This is all supposed to be fun. It is a game. Uh, Jason, we'll get you out of here on this one. I, I kind of two-part question, and I know I don't, I don't like doing this, but uh, <laughs> wanted to kind of put these two together. We just talked a lot about Wayno and what he is as a player. He's going to go over 200 wins this season, and I know that's not the same stat that it once was for a lot of baseball people, but it is meaningful nonetheless. 
What do you think are his chances of eventually getting into the Hall of Fame? And then as as a side piece to that, Scott Rowland was just voted in. And I, I would be curious your thoughts on him officially getting in what I think is an overdue Hall of Famer for him. Yeah, I just came back from spending a week in Cooperstown um, for the announcement, uh, part of a lot of programming on MLB Network. And so it, it, it gave me a whole week to really think about the Hall of Fame, have a million conversations about the Hall of Fame and what it is and who we, who belongs in it. And Brian Kennedy and I just spent so much time talking about the fact that he mentioned 200 wins. And that didn't used to be a Hall of Fame magic number, but I think the magic numbers are now out the window. We don't, the game's played differently, we think about it differently, and it defines a Hall of Famer differently. So we're not going to have 300 game winners anymore. Uh, and if Adam Wainwright's going to win 200 and have the most wins of any Cardinals since Gibson, it, it definitely puts him in the Hall of Fame conversation. I don't think it would be an easy ride, but I think he has a long look on the ballot. And I, I mean, I could see it because he he got as much out of his career as it was possible to get. Did it in multiple roles, had an impact on winning. Um, I believe in using the character and integrity clause, not, uh, not just to weaponize it against guys who were quote cheaters or bad bad dudes but to use it as a as a plus as a tiebreaker for people like him um he's gonna be a really fun conversation for the hall of fame and i I hope i i I would love to see him give that speech someday it would be so much fun and scott rowan i was really happy about this one um i I think scott's the, the first player who I knew before he ever played a game in the big leagues to get elected to the Hall of Fame. It, it, it means I've been around a while, but it's quite a, it's quite a thought. You know, I, I, he was 20 years old when I met him, uh, 21-year-old rookie of the year in Philadelphia. You know, what you experience when you watch Nolan Arenado play third base now is what I thought when I first watched Scott Rowland do his thing. I'd never seen third base played that way. I, I, the com I wrote a couple weeks ago, I, I said he was like a combo platter of Brooks Robinson meets Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> he was just going to attack every ball hit. And if he caught it, he could throw you out from anywhere. And just, um, a much better offensive player than people seem to have appreciated early on in the process. I was l- looking at his 2004 season for a team that won 105 games in St. Louis. And it was a nine-win season where he hit 34 home runs, had 1,000 OPS, and was the best defensive third baseman alive. And you could argue it's, it's the greatest individual season by any third baseman of, I don't know, what, how you, however you want to define modern times, division player or whatever. Um, go take a look at that year sometime for that team and and appreciate how great a player Scott Rowland was in his prime, in his peak, and before the injury started to take their toll. It was special. Uh, I know people in St. Louis, they, they remember that season fondly, to yep. say the least. It didn't end the way that anybody wanted it to, but um, it was it was a special season for that MV3 era of the Cardinals. Hey, Jason, it's always a pleasure to be able to catch up with you. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, giving us so much of your time. We, we genuinely appreciate it, and hopefully we'll talk with you again soon as we get into the Cardinals baseball season. 
Yeah, sounds good. Love talking to you guys.